Well, it's seven days till Christmas, uh, two weeks till the new year. Which way is our country going? Which way is the world going? Well, with us today is uh, Brian Moynihan, the CEO of Bank America, one uh, of the two most powerful banks in, in uh, our country. And people say the way uh, Bank America goes and the way J.P. Morgan goes, so goes the country, so goes the world. Good morning, uh, Brian Moynihan. How are you today? I'm great, John. Uh, I'd say the way the country goes more dictates the way that uh, we in the banking system go, but uh, either way is fine with me. How are you doing? We are fine, and uh, we're looking forward to Christmas, and we're looking forward to the new year. And uh, everybody, I would say nine out of ten people I say uh, I talk to, and they say good riddance to 2022. We hope for a better 2023. Uh, what is your vision for 2023? Well, if you're talking about it uh, economically, our research team has the first uh, three quarters of uh, next year uh, negative growth, but it's a mild recession, and then we come out of it towards the end of next year. And that's due to the fact that the Fed has had to raise rates and slow down activity to basically get the economy back in balance after the pandemic and then all the fiscal stimulus and monetary and low rates and everything we've got to get the the inflation took off and now they got to get back in check and so our view is that we'll have a slight recession next year come out of it and then we'll be back to normal growth in uh, 23 and 24. Being, 24 uh, and 25. Uh, gotcha. being yeah. a the ceo of bank america you have an input into the fed system uh and you have a little bit of the pulse of what they're feeling so uh this all started mostly when uh, the oil oil went from 55, 60, went up to 125 at the worst point, uh, and uh, that led to higher uh, uh, gas prices uh, at the pumps. It led to, to higher food prices because it takes diesel fuel uh, to run our factories and diesel fuel to deliver to uh, the stores around the country. Um, has the Fed factored in? There's a lag period between uh, the price of oil going up and where they see the CPI numbers and the PPI numbers. Well, as a more general per, uh, statement, there's a lag to all this. And so the measurement uh, they look at, uh, the Fed looks at, are, are the trailing uh, measurements of unemployment, of, of uh, CPI, the, you know, the consumer price index and things like that, and, you know, oil price and the impact on them. They look at forward expectations. And so they're they're always looking to say, does, you know, do you, John, or me tell the, you know, say that we think inflation is going to be really high in the future. Therefore, it's going to start to change our behavior. They want to make sure inflation stays tethered, as they say, to a a reasonable level. And if you look at the data, the inflation, uh, long-term inflation expectations by consumers and by businesses still is in the 3% range, which is in the range, uh, a range that's acceptable. It's just the short term, it's running, you know, seven, eight percent, and it's starting to tip over and come down. But that there's a lag effect to that. Whether it's the way the housing works through that system, or the way, as you said, the oil prices are now down, our customers are spending forty percent less of their payments on, oil, on, on at the gas station t- today than they were last year this t- time. Um, but that's because or at the peak level they were. It's over the last six months because oil prices have come back down. But that that doesn't mean they're cheap. It's just they're come back down, and that provides a boost to them to spend on other things. Well, I've said uh, on television lately that uh, maybe the, the Fed should do a pause uh, because of that lag factor we, uh, we, we talked about. Because if they're raising uh, rates every quarter, and they, 
they blinked a little bit. They only went up 50 basis points last week. Uh, if people were paying three, three and a half percent for mortgages, and now they're asked to pay seven, or six or seven, um, why would anybody sell their house if they have a, th- a house with three percent? Why would anybody buy a house if they had to pay six or seven percent? Does the so Fed factor the, that in? They do, and and unfortunately, the intended impact of higher rates is to slow down the activity in housing because house prices were rising very fast to slow down the activity in the markets, stock market values have come down, because that slows down people's uh, feeling of affluence and wealth and activity, and then, therefore that helps slow down the inflationary pricing. So this is an intended outcome, and so the areas that are affected most quickly are the areas which are most rate sensitive. Uh, and that on the consumer side, that is mortgages, and on the corporate side, that's leveraged finance where people borrow money, and, and that, that rate structure is doubled, and, and that's basically slowed that business down, but that's an intended outcome. So I think, you know, the interesting thing about housing is, uh, you know, about half, there's about 60 million mortgages outstanding in the United States. So that by definition, there's 130 million households, 70 million households do not have mortgages, they rent. And so the mortgages are all fixed rate or there. And so it affects new house purchases, as you described. But the real question is, what's the impact on rentals? And so rentals, uh, rental prices started going up. And say like New York and other cities, they went up quickly after, after they recovered and went up. Uh, but now you're starting to see them in many cities flatten out a little bit, which is good because that means inflation and rental prices under control. And, you know, in rent and housing is a 40% of a of average household's you know, spending is on those items. So when they rise fast, that's really different than something they spend a lot less money on. You being the CEO of one of the two largest banks in the in the country, you get to see how uh, feds are spent, how how the consumer is spending money on their credit cards and uh, uh, consumer consumer enthusiasm, um, new home purchases, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, how do you see the credit card spending? Uh, is it going to be a good Christmas, or do you think they'll be slowing up? Well, if you look at uh, the f- first 12 days of December, uh, our households, uh, which are uh, about 60 million customers, 35 million checking customers, and this is both the credit and debit card spending plus what they you know, take out of the ATMs to spend or write checks for or, or Zelle, which is a big part of the spending nowadays. If you look at that year over year, it's up about 8% over last year for the first 12 days. For the month of November, it was up around 5%. Early in the year, it was up 10 15%, and it's been moving down. So the pace of growth is slowing down, but it's still pretty strong growth. And to give a context, if you went back in sort of 17 or 18 and 19, that growth rate year over year for a month or whatever would be up 5 6% in a 2% growth economy. So the, the, But it's slowed down, and that's, again, the intended impact of you know, raising interest rates and, 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 frankly, creating a little more doubt in the economy, people being told there's a recession coming. Most economists have a recession predicted next year. If you add that all together, it slows that activity. You know, that's what the uh, Fed and others are trying to engineer so that we can get inflation under control. But the good news about America is consumer, the consumers are employed, 3.7% unemployment. The new claims for unemployment just uh, just this past Thursday were, again, very low. Uh, and so that means that people are employed and they're making money. And the good news for the American economy is they're spending money and at uh, 8% more than they spent last year. So it ought to be a decent Christmas season for uh, for people out there. Now, the, uh, the uh, Central Bank of Europe took an aggressive stand uh, uh, last week, uh, and uh, that caused uh, some turmoil in the markets. How bad a shape is Europe in? 
Well, they have this, you know, they have this unique issue uh, with the impact of the uh, Russia-Ukraine war, Russia's invasion of the Ukraine. The impact on energy prices is more severe there because they're a big importer of energy. Um, and in, especially on the ga- gas side, they just had to import in a way they, they lost a pipeline, they lost supply. So then they had to import that at a very high price. So that impact has had more. And we basically think Europe at uh, 2023 you know, basically has zero GDP growth. Uh, there's probably some downside risk in that. It, but it's a, it's a region which generally has only grown at a percent or so in a good year. So it's it's getting knocked around. But if you travel around Europe like I've done for the last few weeks, uh, the people have great resolve to support, um, to, to be able to make the uh, day-to-day sacrifices to make sure the war effort stays funded and make sure the war effort stays secure and the and the uh, sanctions and boycotts and stuff on the Russian oil are there. But but in the end of the day, there's an economic total to all that because gas prices for German manufacturers are, are much higher and, and that slows activity down. Company CEOs. They're trying to stay ahead of the curve and, and maintain earnings because, as we all know, Wall Street is not forgiving. If you're off by two cents on your earnings, Wall Street is not forgiving. Do you believe that the CEOs are staying ahead of the curve uh, going into last quarter of 22 versus in, in, in 22-23? They're staying ahead of the curve, and you can see adjustments being made. In our company, you know, we're watching uh, hiring more carefully than we may have been watching six months ago or six months before that. We always always watched it carefully, but we're really careful, not because we're not going to hire a lot of people. We will hire you know, 15,000, 20,000 people next year at least just to replace teammates who retire and leave for other purposes. Uh, but, you know, but you're not – you're looking – you know, at your overall pattern, say, hey, may, let's be care- more careful here. For a while, we couldn't. It was very hard to hire people. Now it's easier, so therefore you're more careful because you don't want to overhire. You look at your initiatives. We'll spend more on technology initiatives, $3.8 billion next year. We spent about $3.4 billion this year. But you want to make sure they're prioritized and doing it right, um, and, you, and you're careful there. And you look at some of your discretionary travel and things like that. But CEOs across all industries continue to look at that. Most of them, though, are making – solid or good money and they have good liquidity and if and they've got you know their credit facilities in great shape our credit quality in our portfolios is very strong is you know still much better than 19 which is a very strong year everybody goes and says it looks like 2019 but you're saying you have to remember 2019 was a very strong year for credit quality and bank the banking system which means the underlying borrowers in great shape so they're in great shape they're borrowing on lines they have lots of access to credit the markets are shut down that's a little different for a different type of borrow but for the average middle mid-sized company in the united states they have access to their banks so open dying to get loan business and I, I think it's in pretty good shape but they read ahead see you know, recessions are predicted so they're just being more careful along all dimensions Brian Moynihan, uh, me and you live in New York uh, most of the time, and uh, uh, are people coming back to work? Are the offices, uh, how, how's Bank of America doing with people coming back to the offices? Well, we, we've, we've developed a set of policies that allow people to have some hybrid flexibility, uh, three days or more in the office, depending on the job. Our branch teammates who do a great job in New York and all over the country that this is broadcast to, uh, you are there every day, and you know, our processing teammates are process stuff. So it, it really bases on the job. But we're getting, you know, we're getting people back to work. We we did lunch on us for a couple months where we had people come in so they could see, you know, see each other when they're at work and free lunches for everybody, and that got people's spirit back up. 
or people are traveling again, uh, you know, so that, you know, we're having uh, you know, team meetings and things like that. So I think the, the value of being back at work and the community aspects that people are now feeling. And so we're, we're, we're up to you know, on a given day, relatively close to where we were uh, pre-pandemic for the for the people be adjusting for three days a week or four days a week versus five days a week because so that means you're about you know ten percentage points behind on a given day, but that's because people aren't expected to be it every day. Um, but they're coming in and they're you know they're circulating the buildings. It feels a lot better now than it was six months ago or six months before that. But where where we are now is going to be in place until we see how the policies play out over time. Me and you are usually very optimistic about the future. Um, you feel optimistic right now going into the new year? Well, I'm optimistic because if you look at the you, you look at our economic projections, those aren't optimistic. Those are. Yeah, pretty straightforward. But if you think about the underlying strength of this country relative to the rest of the world and what we see and its competitiveness, its private sector that just drives you know, great economic activity, our research, our college, our university, you have to be optimistic long, even next year and beyond because it's just it, this is the place to be. Brian uh, Moynihan, thank you uh, for what a great job you've done for uh, uh, Bank America and, uh, and uh, our country. And Listen, I'm a stockholder, and you've done a great job for the uh, stock price, and hopefully it goes back to where we were. And uh, God bless you, and Merry Christmas, and God bless America. Uh, thank you, John. Happy holidays to everyone, and uh, thank you for being a strong supporter. Thank you so much. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.